please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey guys, we're on the monorail, passing by the Grand Floridian. You know, I have always wanted to stay here. You're in the minority, it's not that popular. Jeez, I can't imagine why. It's because only doctors have conventions or income to justify going. And a lot of people think the hotel feels really old compared to the rest of the monorail loop. And it's the newest hotel by 17 years, and you could learn CPR there. What's better than that? No, it's, no, it's not. It's not that new. <laughs> I mean, I, I come for the character breakfast. Wait, they do those here? Hey, howdy, hey, welcome to episode 225 of the Diz His Podcast. I'm RJ, your host, and I am joined today by Chris. Hello. And today, we're going to be giving you the his on the Grand Floridian. We are joined today as well by a special guest all the way from Sandpiper Vacations. We have Nick joining us. Nick, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I feel like I should also take a quick moment to introduce myself here. My name's RJ. I'm one of the folks who's been helping to put some of the histories together, and I've been helping to expand the uh, Instagram page for the Diz His podcast. I was asked to come on the show last minute. You're probably noticing that Alex isn't here. There were some tech issues, so we just did a quick host switch before starting up this episode. Now, we do record live for our goof troop. You can visit our social media at Diz His Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. In all of our bios on social media, you can find our link tree, which has all of our links. So if you want to join our Patreon, you can go ahead and head there. Become part of the fun, part of the action. Now, follow us and like if you enjoy our posts. And even if you don't enjoy our posts, give us a like. I'm sure there's going to be a post that comes around that you're going to want to see at some point. We also have a YouTube channel that Classic Ryan, who you heard last week, is running. That is Diz His Pod. He's got some mini histories coming up. Highly, highly recommend those. And... We have monthly giveaways, so go to our Patreon. You can find the link on the Diz His Pod Facebook page. You can join the Goof Troop for as little as how much, Chris? $2 a month, RJ. $2 a month. $2 a month. Doesn't get any better than that. And, of course, if you want merch, we have many options at tpublic.com. I hit all the, hit every single point. Your first time hosting, you hit every single point, RJ. I'm uh, pretty impressed. It's like you were reading off a script or something. It's incredible. I, uh, it was, it was like photo photographing memory. You did forget, uh, actually you didn't forget because this is my part. If you want to send us an email, you can send that over at dizhispod at gmail.com. Literally tell us anything. We are desperate for your emails. Uh, I don't care if you're telling us what you're eating for breakfast, what you're eating for lunch or dinner. Uh, also, please, please, please give us five star reviews if we've earned it on um, on Patreon, not Patreon, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, uh, look out for our Spotify episodes where we're going to be asking you weekly questions and polls. Really fun way to interact with us, and we can uh, we'll give you shout outs on the show if you uh, if you answer those. Awesome! Thank you so much, Chris. Now I feel like we've been waiting too long after introducing Nick to officially bring him into the fold. So Nick, what can you tell us about Sandpiper Vacation before we get into our history today? Yeah, so um, as you might know, we are one of the sponsors of this podcast. Been sponsoring it for what, like a year and a half now, I think. And yeah, forever. Um, so we are a full service travel agency. We specialize in Disney, obviously. So huge Disney nerds, and we'll talk about that later on in the show as well too about my recent trip to Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Um, so yeah, thanks for having us back again. Yeah. Awesome to have you on the show. It's exciting. I so rarely get to record with you. So 
Always a pleasure to record along with you, Nick. Yeah. Now, we're going to be talking, as I mentioned, about the history of the Grand Floridian today. And the Grand Floridian is, weird enough to say, the newest of the three monorail resorts that is located directly outside of the Magic Kingdom. It's themed to a luxurious Victorian-era hotel, and it's nestled between the Polynesian Village Resort and the Magic Kingdom. Plus, it boasts some of the most extravagant and expensive rooms, restaurants, and shopping options on Walt Disney World property. It's perhaps one of the best-known resorts there, which, for me, is one of the reasons that it's so weird that it's the newest of those three contemporary Polynesian and Grand Floridian, because I feel like it's so iconic. What about you guys? Have you been to Grand Floridian? Any great experiences that you've had there? Anything of that nature? Nick, I'm going to kick this over to you, because uh, I know you frequent Disney World more than me. I actually stayed there um, two years ago was the last time that I stayed there, but I visited previously during the holidays for the gingerbread house and everything. Um, but it was pre um, refurbishments. They just recently went through some refurbishments, which I don't know if we'll get into in the history or not, but um, it's um, definitely an iconic resort that we've all known and seen. It's been on a lot of TV shows. I know. So excited to learn more about the history of it because i like you said i didn't even realize it was the last of the, th the three monorail resorts so it was it's like one of those things that we just like assume was always there yeah it's, it's crazy <laughs> yeah. to think that it was the newest mm -hmm. the um my favorite thing about the grand floridian while never being able to actually see it i always look forward to i say this guy's name all the time paging mr morrow on youtube I mm -hmm. always look forward to his Christmas videos when he goes and visits the Grand Floridian to see that giant Christmas tree in the lobby. Even he grabs like a coffee or something to drink and he sits up on one of the balconies to go just just look at the tree. That's one of the, the coolest things. And if I ever had a chance, I would definitely uh, go check that out down there if I was down there around the holidays. It just looks awesome. Yeah, Grand Floridian is probably one of the top three resorts to see around the holidays. It's spectacular. I mean, yeah. it's a beautiful resort, even not around the holidays, from the ambiance to the music loop. But as both of y'all mentioned, the Christmas theming there with that whole Victorian Christmas ideal, it's really, really spectacular. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Let's get into the his on the Grand Floridian. When Walt formed his dream for Project X, later renamed the Florida Project in the 1960s, he had the idea to build luxury hotels and resorts around the Magic Kingdom Park, specifically to line the shores of the Seven Seas Lagoon with places for families to stay while visiting the resort. As far back as 1967, there was published documentation of a timeline for the contemporary and Polynesian resorts to open along with Walt Disney World in 1971, with three more to be opened within the following five years. These three included a Persian resort, a Venetian resort, and a Thai resort. But in 1972, Disney announced the cancellation of their next three resorts due to the energy crisis and oil shortage. The Thai resort was so close to being constructed that Disney had already cleared out the land for construction and even named a road Asian Way. The Asian-inspired resort was planned to have 600 rooms, including suites. It would have also featured a 160-foot tower with high ceilings, luxurious statues, and furnishing. For almost 20 years, the land lay unused and was an eyesore to monorail riders. 
By the time the mid-80s came around, the economy had rebounded, and Disney decided that new resorts were needed. The company decided on two ideas, namely the Mediterranean Resort and the Grand Floridian. While planning the Grand Floridian, Imagineers ironically used ideas and designs from luxurious hotels such as Hotel Del Coronado in California, Mount Washington Resort in New Hampshire, and Mackinac Island's Grand Hotel in Michigan, but not any from Florida. These three hotels would serve as the main inspiration behind the ultimate resort's exterior. Imagineers described it as a journey back to the turn of the century, to another time and another place. Initial plans for the Grand Floridian included the Addison Misner Room, in honor of an architect behind the classic Palm Beach style of architecture popular in the Roaring Twenties. The brand new Disney Development Company, or the DDC, was assigned the Grand Floridian Project, which involved designing and constructing the hotel. This would mark the first time the DDC worked on a project as opposed to Walt Disney Imagineering. Jerry Allison was the design principal on the team and helped to spearhead a vision document that included the preliminary research into the nationwide luxury resorts that had been performed by Imagineers early in the process, as well as studies of Victorian architecture throughout the United States. The team performed extensive research into these styles and added Clearwater, Florida's Bellevue Biltmore to their list of architectural inspirations to ensure that the Grand Floridian would have some Florida character to it. The Biltmore would help to influence the design of the interior of the resort's main building. Ultimately, this vision document outlined a Victorian-era resort that paid homage to the Floridian beach resorts of the late 1800s and early 1900s. So a couple things here. First of all, I one of the things that popped out to me personally was the Mount Washington Resort. Mm -hmm. That didn't know this was a thing, but I went to Mount Washington and we, we drove up Mount Washington, highest peak, I think, on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Uh, mountain in New Hampshire. So I, I I was interested in that. So I look it up. And if anybody wants to Google Mount Washington Resort, listening to this at home, it looks like the Grand Floridian. Like it's hmm. almost identical. Like if you didn't stare at the two, you would have thought it was the same exact hotel. It's got the red roofs, the, the, the you know, pure white um, front. It, it's incredible. I, it's I don't even know if I would say drew inspiration. It looks like a cookie cutter. It'll say they just copy and pasted it down in Florida. It's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. Now, secondly, uh, Nick, I wanted to ask you, when you book vacations for people in Disney World, do you find yourself booking more um, like budget resorts or do you find people like a lot of people booking like a, a hotel like the Grand Floridian? And is it a different like uh, clientele that wants to do that? Families or, yeah, or single it's, people? It's a whole it's a whole kind of different clientele with it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my clients tend to book more the moderate to deluxe resorts. But okay. Grand Floridian is honestly one of the last ones that people really are really interested in. Um, I think part of it is when I stayed there, I got a very stuffy kind of feeling in there. It's just very it was very very dated as well too oh. so it just went through a refurbishment over the last um probably two years now the rooms um got rethemed so be mary poppins but yeah i mean we were just talking to one of my group chats the other day too about there's a picture on our travel agent page of one of the rooms and it looks like it's from the 80s still wow uh, yeah wow. so it's it's weird that it's one of the last resorts to kind of get the refurbishments because a lot of them have gone through refurbishments over the years and the rooms and everything and um yeah it just it, it feels a little bit stuffy the white plain white color i think is not very mm -hmm. attractive to a disney person that's disney's all about color and everything yeah, so that's yeah. what draws draws people to the art of animation and pop century and stuff like that so 
Um, I've been most of my clients tend to do stay if they want a deluxe resort, Animal Kingdom Lodge um, is a big one I push people to as well as contemporary. Um, Polynesian's a great one, but unfortunately, Polynesian's the first one to always sell out. Oh, I see. Polynesian always just reminds me of like a, just a fun place to stay. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's party all the time. I, and well, and everybody with Polynesian, like Polynesian, it gives people that kind of Hawaiian culture that people want to experience, but not go to pay the price to go to Hawaii. So it gives you more of a feeling that you're somewhere else versus Grand Floridian. Um, like I said, it looks like the Mount Washington Resort. Yeah. Don't even know where Mount Washington is. So. <laughs> and it is crazy to me because I think the way that you describe it is how most people view the Grand Floridian. Very stuffy. It's And yet it's supposed to be themed around the Floridian Beach Resorts of the late 1800s, early 1900s. That was considered to be the more relaxed, casual atmosphere back then. And now looking at it from modern times, we see it as this, you know, upper class, stuffy, not relaxed resort you walk in with t-shirts and shorts on and you feel like you're out yeah. of place so i feel like it's really interesting seeing that difference yeah and it's like when you go to disney you go there wearing a bright t-shirt that says i'm at disney basically or my most expensive day ever type shirts and when you walk in there a lot of the restaurants are actually very high-end signature restaurants that do have dress codes which no other disney restaurants typically have a dress code so yeah that's right shout out to monsieur paul in france i think that's the only one i other other one i can think of that's not grand floridian yeah. it, it's hard to enforce a dress code in my opinion in a, in a place where you're going on vacation to do a lot of walking and stuff like that like you know what i mean like it, it's weird to have a um restaurants with dress codes in my opinion now grand floridian I, I know what my opinion on this is. I would never stay at Grand Floridian. That's just not what I want to do. I want to stay at an art of animation. I want to, I want to, you know, for, mm. I, I don't want to forget that I'm in Disney. Mm. But RJ, I know you have a totally different vision of you staying at Disney. So is Grand Floridian on your list of places that you'd want to stay? Grand Flo is kind of my dream resort, really? honestly, because it's, it's, as I recall, the last hotel on the monorail stop before you get to the Magic Kingdom, but it's also close enough that it's in walking distance. It doesn't feel as out of place as the contemporary to me, and I just I love the music loop. I love the little Mary Poppins theming on the DVC side, which we'll get into later in the history. I love the ambiance of it, and so Grand Floridian, someday I would love to stay there because I love Grand Flow so much. It's interesting. I want to, as we go on, I want to know what, what stands out like more to you in this history that you kind of like, that, I guess that someone like you would appreciate. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. As plans for the Grand Floridian started to ramp up, the design team put together a presentation for Michael Eisner and the other Disney executives. To Eisner's surprise and delight, the team had put together two completed and fully furnished model rooms that perfectly evoked the turn of the century theming outlined in the vision document. With the rooms requiring a relatively low amount of both time and money to complete, Eisner approved the project on the spot. With the plan for the Grand Floridian finalized, it came time to build the hotel, and it was built quite quickly compared to most hotels around the time, requiring only three and a half years. The company Intradesign was responsible for the interior design, especially in the main lobby building, and included such elements as marble floors, chandeliers, stained glass domes, and a birdcage elevator. Members of the design team later stated that a historically accurate Victorian hotel would have been quite impossible, as it would have been too formal for vacationing guests. In fact, Intradesign had originally envisioned the hotel as hosting guests in gowns and black ties, something that Disney management immediately pushed back on. 
The final version of the hotel, evoked Victorian themes with its designs and latticework, while still having a light, playful air with its mild color scheme, its focus on animal subjects and its decor, and its beachfront theming and ambiance. The ceramic tile on the ground floor features four muted colors in a checkerboard pattern, and although they may appear to be grouped randomly to guests walking over them when viewed from above, they form larger and more intricate patterns. The opulent chandeliers in the main lobby have fern decorations down the side and are each 16 feet long, weigh one ton, and hang 40 feet above the ground. On June 28, 1988, nearly 17 years after the opening of Walt Disney World, the hotel opened to guests as the Grand Floridian Beach Resort. The name was quite apt due to the hotel's location on Disney's Seven Seas Lagoon. The red gabled roofs and the iconic white walls were immediately visible to guests visiting the Magic Kingdom. The resort opened with 867 rooms spread across six buildings that it still contains today. As the first new resort to open on Walt Disney World property since the overall resort's original opening in 1971, the opening ceremony was a major event. Celebrities Burt Reynolds and Loni Anderson were present along with Michael Eisner and Walt Disney Company president Frank Wells. NASA astronauts, Hollywood celebrities, and other dignitaries were present at the black tie event held that evening. There were a total of 5,000 guests at the formal event, which occurred in the Grand Floridian's lobby and across all five floors of the main building. Champagne, an orchestra performing That's Entertainment, singers, dancers, and even an aquatic ballet in the 275,000-gallon pool were all included. So now that we are kind of diving into the design of the, of the hotel, I'm kind of understanding why this hotel exists. And it's not really specifically for just guests it seems like it seems like this is a place where uh they they looked at important things to happen at mm -hmm. uh important people to stay at and they didn't want to be viewed as a just a family park or just a uh a kids park they wanted to show like hey no we have these high-end resorts don't even worry about going to the parks if you don't want to we have these really nice resorts for you to come and 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 do important things at and and when important people from you know different places come and this is the uh, this is America yeah, like if uh, maybe a foreign leader comes and stays at the Grand Floridian because you're at that that heart of uh, of American culture and Disney World but you're getting that sophisticated feel by the hotel that you're at you'd never know that you're in a a park where uh, uh, their their theme their uh, their mascot is a giant mouse like you'd never know that and you never know who you're going to be rubbing shoulders with as well with all the other people who could be staying there you kind of have that atmosphere yeah although I'm curious to ask you guys do you think this is the beginning of Disney's real monopolization of all types of vacations, not just theme parks, but looking at high-end vacations as well. Do you think this Ooh. is where it really started, or were there other places that that's that a good question to? for Nick? Yeah, it's like I'm I'm still surprised that it opened in what 1988. I assumed it was open a lot earlier than that, just because of it. it like I said, it, it does look older tech resort, but it's that kind of Victorian look to it as well too. It doesn't surprise me that they are hosting huge name celebrities and guests and stuff like that because they I know they did that at Disneyland as well too. So yeah, it's it's interesting and learned kind of that history and the backside of it. Um, and it does kind of start that signature experience that Disney is now offering more and more 
Um, they continue to keep adding on more of those signature experiences for those high-end clientele mm, that yeah. still want the Disney experience. So you have the signature experiences like Aulani and Disney Cruise Line, Ventures by Disney, National Geographic now, um, where it just keeps um, having those customers and clients come back to Disney and kind of up in their game every single time too. And that's kind of how we started. We all... I feel like many of my clients start out at a value resort like Pop Century or um, All Star. And then next time they're like, we want to spend a little bit more and enjoy the resort. So they go to a moderate resort. And then the next time they bump up to a deluxe resort. So um, it's kind of encouraging people to continue to come back, um, which Disney is very smart with. So. There's always something more to explore. Yeah. Yeah. And does this not also scream? Like, hey, this is the hotel for the man or for the wife whose significant other um, does isn't really into Disney. You know what I mean? So it's like this is the resort for them where you're going to Disney World, but you forget you're in Disney World as soon as you leave the park. You get that spa. You get that, you know, that, that, that treatment of of what you're used to maybe at home for some people. Um, so that you, all that walking all day and all the, you know, basketball shorts and flip flops all day, you forget about that. Once you get to the grand Floridian, you're back into your high class, uh, lifestyle. It seems like this is one of those hotels where it's like, uh, you know, get the best of both worlds. If you're into that kind of stuff to me anyway, I feel like the beach club and the yacht club took a lot of inspiration from the grand Floridian. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. After reading all this. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I am curious to ask you guys. Yes. So. What would you think about a hotel where you were required to wear tuxedos to partake in any events going on there? See, when I pack for a Disney vacation, I I want my shorts. I want my flip-flops. I want to dress comfortable. It's hot. It's Florida. I don't want to wear a tuxedo in Florida. I barely want to, I want to be in the pool all day. <laughs> so um, when we just went a couple weeks ago, we actually were supposed to have dinner at one of the restaurants, which we might talk about um, in the next history um, called Citrica's. And we realized that you had to have a dress code to get in there. And it was more, it wasn't suit and tie, but I think it was more just like nice pants, slacks and a button down type thing. And we're like, we, we don't want to pack that. <laughs> like we're at, we're at Disney. <laughs> Mm -hmm. See, I'm what do you think, Chris? I'm in the same boat as Nick here. I when I go to Disney, I don't want to have to overpack with uh, nicer clothes, even even like, man, I just went on a cruise that was booked by uh, St. Power Vacations. Uh, and I don't even want to pack my suit for the formal night there. No, like, it's yeah. just <laughs> like I, I not only am I not interested in getting dressed up and going to a fancy dinner. I, I also like I want to save room for souvenirs, especially when I'm going to Disney. And if you're flying in, you you know you have that. I'm I'm flying Spirit, man. I'm flying flying Spirit and Frontier. They have very <laughs> they have a very strict. Um, what Nick would probably know the limit more than me. But if you go over that, man, you're paying an arm and a leg yeah. <laughs> uh, on top of that. So I'm not bringing formal wear on vacation. And, and times have changed too. I mean, looking back when we were kids, I was born in '84, so seeing at that time frame teachers would always wear essentially kind of suits and ties to school yeah now that's the dress code for teachers have changed um and i just feel like it's hasn't changed with the times on that aspect of um the student ties and i'm sure there's still people out there that do want to and they spend the money because they're probably club 33 members or yeah um, disney vacation club members but high ends um everything that want that experience as well too where they can get away and feel like they have a spot for them just completely fine too so there's definitely a market it's another form of the escapism that you get with 
a Disney vacation. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that it is, is kind of cool. I, I like that escapism because you can like even if you aren't used to this this lifestyle, you can get away to this hotel, this resort and live that lifestyle for a week while you're there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe you are a middle class or lower class uh, person that's not used to the fine, you know, fine, you know, clothing and this and that. And then you pretend for a week while you're in Disney. That's kind of what Disney's all about, which is kind of cool. And if you're saving up for that for a long enough time and you want to treat yourself to a week of 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 uh, luxury at the Grand Floridian, maybe that, you know, maybe you are marketing to everybody. Uh, that's interested in that. I think it's kind of cool that it, it exists for for reasons like that. It is huge. Like I, yeah. it, it is a huge hotel. Mm-hmm. So I would think that the market's a little smaller. Uh, I don't know, Nick. Is there like it's you- gotten bigger because they have the DVC buildings as well now too. That makes sense. Um, when I stayed there two years ago, I was there invited by Disney for a um a travel agent conference. So being there, I didn't feel like. I didn't feel like I was underdressed wearing a t-shirt mm-hmm. or anything like that. You still see people walking around and stuff. You know, I, I didn't feel like I saw people walk around in suits and ties. Like um, maybe you would think, right. um, I don't know if it, like said, maybe times have changed since the eighties. I'm sure if you look at pictures of Disney back in the eighties, you see people wearing suits and those outfits to the park. Right. Too. This is crazy. Now, if you wear that to the parks, they're going to think that the president's in town. And you're part of the uh, secret uh, service. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you always, you always see women at Epcot wearing high heels to That's do the insane. drinking around the world, which is always an insane thing too. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like t- times have changed with it. There's still that, um, still that prestige service that you can get at the restaurants um but there's so many options there too there's not not just one restaurant like a lot of other resorts might have um so you can go to that signature restaurant or you can go to one that's a little bit um of a step down as far as the dress code goes and hey the thing is if you're going to the resort you have to wear a suit and tie i feel like you don't have that freedom and hey it's fun to be free (laughs) I mean, I, I was in the pool in the speedo, so I was rocking, I was rocking out the the, the Nick look here. So. I would not expect anything less. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's it's a very welcoming place. It's very beautiful. I love um, when you talked about the birdcage. That's one thing that does stand out is the birdcage elevators um, in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Um, the music playing. They have a piano player in there sometimes too. It's just a very um, kind of classical feel in there. Despite becoming the most expensive resort on Walt Disney World property, a title still held by the Grand Floridian today, the hotel quickly became a top choice for guests searching for a more upscale Disney experience. In 1989, the hotel received its first AAA for a Diamond Award, and it has continued to receive this award for the past 28 years. The resort started to receive significant additions in 1992 with the opening of a convention center and business center for companies hosting large gatherings in the Orlando area. Although this was Disney's first convention center, it would later open a larger one at its Coronado Springs Resort. The Disney Wedding Pavilion, where guests can be married while overlooking Cinderella Castle, opened in 1995. Both the convention center and the wedding pavilion were designed by the same company that designed the rest of the hotel. Perhaps the most significant addition occurred in 1997, when the name of the resort was changed to the Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, a name it is still known by today. This alteration occurred to coincide with the opening of the luxurious and elegant spa that opened just down the road from the lobby and main room buildings. It is now directly across the way from the 147-room DVC Grand Floridian Villas, which opened in 2013 and contains Mary Poppins-themed rooms today. 
The villas even include a penguin fountain in the lobby based on the film. In 2011, Disney performed an 18-month renovation of the spa to help modernize it and to justify its $295 cost for an 80-minute experience. In 1998, a seasonal addition to the Grand Floridian was added with the creation of the first life-size gingerbread house on Walt Disney World property. The house has become an annual tradition and includes 1,050 pounds of honey, 800 pounds of flour, and over 400 hours to create. For more information on the gingerbread houses, revisit episode 186 of the Diz His Podcast. A couple things here. I, I think they hit the sweet spot with this convention center um, because that that's what I envision a an uppity place like this hosting. Now, on the opposite side of that, I wonder if there's a limit on what's hosted there. And the reason I'm saying that is because so I have a nicer hotel in my town, right? And they host a lot of conventions there. And one of the conventions is like a horror convention. And would the Grand Floridian wouldn't host like comic conventions and stuff like that there because I would think it's it's not copyright, but it's um you don't want to host like a a place where people are coming to see Universal Monsters at uh, at a Disney World resort. So, I feel like it goes against the brand. It, exactly. So I feel like they are semi limited on what they can actually host there. I assume like some some sort of business conferences and uh, and obviously anything having to do with the Walt Disney Company would be hosted there. But you know, obviously they have to have a, a lot of limited restrictions. I would think, and that'd be kind of interesting to to look into. I wish I would have looked into that before this. But um, the other thing I wanted to touch on was. Okay, so they just finally did a retheming of uh, of some of these rooms, and they remodeled it to Mary Poppins themed things. Do both of you think that was a good choice for this? Do you think uh, that keeping uh, IP out of the rooms would be better, or do you think there would have been a better choice to retheme these like kind of classy rooms too? I, I'm kind of on the fence with this, so I would kind of want to hear from you. There's a lot of talk around social media because Contemporary just went through a big refurbishment as well to retheme their rooms. The Incredibles, um, right? To be in the Incredibles. Right, right. Which we just we stayed there um, two weeks ago and it's incredible, literally. <laughs> um, I think bringing in the IP more into Disney is what people are looking for now because right. otherwise they could stay at a Holiday Inn down the street for one eighth of the price mm -hmm. um what's cool is that their theming it's very 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 subtle theming so it's not like mary poppins just blew up her entire bag in the room or anything <laughs> right, like that right, like right. a lot of stuff that you have to look for it and kind of draw it out of there and kind of see and um kind of same thing with even animal kingdom lodge is lion king themed and it's little hints of um pieces here and there on that so um i I do agree, and I, I think it's great, especially moving forward and bringing in the Disney fanatics that we all have become now. Right, yeah. Um, to bring those IP. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't stay there. I want to stay at a resort because of the theming. Um, and to me, their theming before wasn't anything to write home about. Yeah, I got to agree with Nick here. I mean, I also experienced the Incredibles room at Contemporary, and I loved the little nods and the little Easter eggs, and yet... It doesn't get in the way of the contemporary experience. I still feel like I'm staying at the contemporary. And although I haven't stayed in the Mary Poppins rooms at the Grand Floridian, I agree entirely with Nick. It, I feel like you get that little hint there. You get the Easter eggs. If you're a fan of the movies, then it might even be more likely to drive you to stay at the resort. But you don't need to know the movies to stay at the resort. 
and you can still get the Grand Floridian experience even if you're not a Mary Poppins fan. Like uh, Classic Ryan, who was on last week and has a poor taste in apparently classic films. <laughs> well, and, um, and you spoke of it. So the Mary Poppins theme started in the DVC Villas. Um, they recently, over just the past two years, started retheming the regular um, resort rooms to be those themes. And I think they're completed or almost completed. Um, they're still doing some retheming in the um, main lobby. They're going to redo that, some stuff in there as well, too. So. so let me ask this. If they couldn't do Mary Poppins for whatever reason, what would you guys re-theme the Grand Floridian rooms to? That's tough. That is really, yeah. really tough. It, uh it's the perfect because it's a timeless classic um, for Disney. I don't think you could do anything new in there. If so, I, I would love to hear some uh, some opinions from our Patreon members. But I I think the go to for me would just be subliminal like Fab Five type stuff, little Mickey, you know, hidden Mickey's in the rooms and stuff like that. I don't know of any other movie that would be um, that would like, fit in. Kingdom Hearts was one that uh, that King Mike, but King Mike, I think it's a little biased. <laughs> I'm also seeing um, from Remy of Remy's Roundtable suggesting Mickey and Minnie casual type style, perhaps Brave in the chat here. Yeah, I, I think um, I think maybe like the early early century Mickey shorts uh, would be kind of cool too. It's kind of like because you're kind of uh, channeling that like Titanic esque. Yeah, if you did more of the black and white yeah, portions of it, it's yeah. like Steamboat Willie type making many. Um, I could see something like that, but yeah, definitely something more dated. Yeah, Adam says a wall themed. Uh, Remy says Oswald. Yeah, like, yeah, those are. Solid. I would suggest something that is we'll talk a little bit about in our next history paragraph. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, I feel, uh, fits very well with that resort as yeah, well. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Bit. I could see that for sure. Um, before we get on to the next uh remy one of our patreon members says that the expos there are usually for weddings um i i, I did look up um and if you I, want to book a disney wedding please contact nick <laughs> at sandpipervacations.com i would love to help put you in the grand floridian get you married right in front of the castle it's <laughs> i mean i walked walking by their wedding pavilion is just absolutely stunning it's very very top-notch very high-end um and just gorgeous scenes. So. I would, yeah. The, one of the stipulations is you have to invite us there as well. Yes, yeah. To the, to the wedding. <laughs> um, I did look up events happening at the Grand Floridian just really quickly, and what I found in the immediate future, a lot of medical events, um, like having to do with uh, medical training and you know more, stuff like that. Probably more the like CPR. <laughs> yeah, like. Like, you go to Grand Floridian to learn CPR. It's just like a thing people do. <laughs> Can you imagine? I got my cert, my CPR certification. <laughs> I mean, uh, I picture the clientele to be doctors. Exactly. Attorneys, people mm. that higher end well, income. One of the conferences was for heart surgery. So, <laughs> yeah. so that answers that. Yeah. But so, yeah. Sure, so you mentioned this is the most expensive Disney resort. I'm, I'm interested to see what the pricing is or was in 1988. Um, I don't know if we found that information or not, but pulling it up right now, just looking at a week in February for one night at Grand Floridian, the cheapest room is $857 per night. And that's just per night for the cheapest room. Um, I'll try to pull up some other room prices here in a minute too, but it's, 
if you stay somewhere like All Star Resorts or or anything like that, those are usually around 180 bucks a night or so. Um, so definitely a huge, huge price difference. Um, okay, here's your answer. See, this was the New York Times in 1992. Uh, Grand Floridian Beach Resort opened in 1988, 900 rooms, rates. And this is in 1992, from $200 to $400 a night. And that was in 1992. That's crazy. That is crazy. The the price increase. That's oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, yeah. So it it um yeah, the Grand Floridian was that. I I saw eighty eighty dollars a night, eighty five dollars a night. That was uh all throughout the property in the um in 1992. Yeah, if you want to, and there's basically a couple different room types. So basic room where you don't really have any view. That was the cheapest. If you want a theme park view, you're looking at basically eleven hundred dollars per night on oh my that one. god and then even more if you want to stay in the dvc villas they have one bedroom one bedroom villa two bedroom villas as well too um i don't have that price in here unfortunately they have some higher end suites as well in the club level so there's there's some money in there <laughs> all right so what we're gonna do is we're gonna cut all the us uh, being discussed about the prices and i'm gonna say nick that sounds like a really good price um anyone who's interested should just go <laughs> over to sandpipervacations.com and book with you right away before these rates go up and be sure to tell yeah. nick that sandpipe or that Diz has sent you or you can just tell nick that nick sent you yeah. because Nick's on the <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on here and they just released a sale right now so you can get up to 25 percent off your room which that's a lot of money for that's a lot of money for grand Floridian. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's like a couple park tickets. <laughs> when one approaches the Grand Floridian, the monorail station in front of the main building that includes the same white walls and red gabled roof as the resort is immediately noticeable. The opulent lobby includes rugs with looping, colorful designs, while the white walls help to accentuate the red and golden furniture and furnishings throughout. Models of such beachfront attractions as Ferris wheels and marble floors that include designs of Disney characters are great guests. The four shopping options in this main building include M. Mouse Mercantile, which includes souvenirs, Magical Extras at Basin White, which includes soaps, Sandy Cove Gifts and Sundries, which includes theme park necessities, and Curiouser Clothiers, which includes designer clothes and is named after a quote from 1951's Alice in Wonderland. The main building includes six restaurants. Gasparilla Island Grill is a quick service option themed around the turn-of-the-century boardwalks. Citricos is a Mediterranean-inspired fine dining experience currently themed to Mary Poppins Returns. The Grand Floridian Cafe is a lower-end sit-down restaurant located in a rose garden. The Enchanted Rose is a Beauty and the Beast-themed bar. 1900 Park Fair is a character dining option including characters from Mary Poppins, Alice in Wonderland, and Winnie the Pooh, but is unfortunately temporarily closed at this time. Victoria and Albert's is one of the most upper-scale dining options at Walt Disney World, and has been a AAA Five Diamond Award winner for 17 years, as well as a Forbes Four Diamond Award winner. It includes a new American menu, and truly brings the original black tie ideas of the Grand Floridian to life with its $500 price for 10 courses and its no children policy. Its lavishness is only matched by Narcoosie's, a restaurant at the Grand Floridian in a separate building located on the water of the Seven Seas Lagoon, and featuring an expensive seafood menu. The hotel has two pool bars located by its three pools, separately themed around the beach, a Victorian courtyard, and Alice in Wonderland. The six buildings with hotel rooms are named after such Floridian islands as Sago Key, Sugarloaf Key, Conch Key, Boca Chica, and Big Pine Key. These buildings overlook the Seven Seas Lagoon 
and the first three even have boat docks in front of them. For more information about Narcoosies, check out episode 60 of the Diz His podcast. Now I have a question for you guys. Yeah, let's hear Have it. you ever checked out the 1900 Park Fair character dining restaurant at Grand Floridian? No. No. So as a kid, I was super into Mary Poppins, and my parents found that this was a character dining option. So little eight-year-old me rides on the monorail. I get to ride in like the front section back when that was allowed and like, <laughs> allowed a kid to go back there. And then for whatever reason, I vividly remember meeting Mary Poppins and Bert and the Alice in Wonderland and Winnie the Pooh characters. So for me, Grand Floridian will always be special, not just because of the theme, but because I've got that memory from one of my earliest Disney trips there. I did not know this is a character uh, dining restaurant. I'm looking at pictures now. It's I've never very honestly cool. booked any clients there before COVID or anything. I know it's been shut down since then, but I, I'm not as familiar with that one. Um, something I want to point out to people too, a lot of my clients don't realize that you can and are allowed to go to the resorts, even if you're not staying there, to go enjoy the dinner at the resorts or go to the bars at the resorts, hop on the monorail and visit them. Highly recommend it. There's a great, we did a monorail bar crawl a couple weeks ago. We didn't make it to the Grand Floridian. Um, <laughs> we drank a little too much at Polynesian. Um, but the Enchanted Rose is beautifully themed, great cocktails. It is higher end cocktails, but they are phenomenal. So highly recommend that. Um, Citrico's I was able to enjoy as well too. Um, during my trip there, we did have a private um, luncheon where they weren't open. So we had the opportunity to. That That's really neat. I, um, that, first of all, great tip on, you don't have to be staying at the hotels to be able to uh, go to their diner dining uh, areas, mm -hmm. because I, I think like there's a large amount of people who don't know that. Yeah. And um, so when I went down last year to visit some of the people um, uh, like Scott from the no new friends podcast and, and Mary and them, and Alex too. We we all went to Boma at um Animal Kingdom Lodge. My and even nobody nobody stayed there because you know we all yeah. everyone's in the area. But it was amazing. It was so cool, and it, it's nice to be able to go to these um, resort restaurants to be able to get like a little bit of you know, no pun intended taste of these places because it's very expensive to stay mm -hmm. here. And instead of having mm -hmm. to pay you know seven eight upwards of a thousand dollars a night at the grand floridian just go to the restaurants and get a you yeah. know, experience it that way first of all yeah nothing better than some good food am i right so like get some of this fine dining without having to stay there in, in my opinion i love that instead of spending your money on the hotel spend your money on the restaurant yeah exactly 100 percent. i don't know if i'd be spending the 500 dollars for the 10 course meal all right but in a perfect I like world that's a I once would. in a lifetime yeah then. that's definitely a perfect date night obviously there's no kids allowed so that's <laughs> right, that's, a right. that's a challenging part as well too when you have families going yeah. it's like um and disney is capitalizing on those adults like us that like to go to disney without the kids even too so uh, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a smart idea and i if anybody wants to donate my GoFundMe for <laughs> trying out that, <laughs> that restaurant. <laughs> Link will be in the bio. But yeah, um, it sounds amazing. Ten course meal. It sounds like awesome. Um, okay, so here's my question. After hearing uh, about, we, we just learned all about the Grand Floridian, its history, what it's all about, who it's care to. All right, so you just won an all expenses paid trip ticket. We'll just say ticket from from the Sandpiper Vacations Lottery. <laughs> and Sandpiper Vacations is sponsoring you to stay one week at any hotel on Disney World property. What are you guys picking? Is it the Grand Floridian, the most expensive? 
or is it the most immersive? Is the most Disney themed? What are your answers? RJ, you go first. I mean, I would have to go with the Grand Floridian. First off, going to get my money's worth there. Right. Or I guess my lack of money's worth there. Secondly, I feel like it's very much a once in a lifetime experience unless you are like super uber wealthy. That's a good point. And third of all, I mean, you're getting an experience that I feel like does a really good job immersing you in an atmosphere while still being so close to an amusement park. Like I love, yeah, love, yeah, love Port true. Orleans. Port Orleans is not a walk away from an amusement park like the Grand Floridian is. So that, I've got to go Grand Floridian. That, that. That's a great answer. Now, Nick, what's your answer? If you, if you, so uh, this, this is kind of a bad question for you because you'd be uh, paying for it, but because <laughs> you're sponsoring the giveaway. You just won the Diz His giveaway. We're giving away seven seven Perfect. nights oh, okay. at, a, at a free resort. Thank you, Diz His. I appreciate it. What are you um, picking? Thanks, uh, thanks Alex. Um, <laughs> I don't know. My my it changes every time that I want to go to Disney, depending mm. on what I want to get out of it. Um, for me, Riviera Resort is oh, probably okay. my new favorite one. That's the um, that's the newest resort, it's, correct? It's the newest resort. It's more compact, a lot smaller, but it it just feels more quaint um, and, and not as grand as the Grand Floridian. So I like I, I like the smaller portion of it. Um, the vibe of it's just more kind of my vibe, I guess. Um, fun music, amazing smells, which I love that Disney puts smells in the hotels too. Does Grand Floridian oh, yeah. have a smell? It's got a certain lobby smell, I think. Money. <laughs> money, yeah, money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of these resorts, they pipe in a certain scent into these resorts, but um, I don't, yeah, I don't remember, I don't remember Grand Floridian smelling like anything. I think, actually, I think you can find the candle at uh, Three Cheeky Chips uh, online. I believe there is a Grand Floridian. I think there smell. is, too. I think it's just like... It might um, be like vanilla and lavender is I think it's what I picture it, maybe. Debt. <laughs> yeah. Credit card debt. <laughs> debt. <laughs> so, uh, my, my answer to this question, you know, I thought it was going to be Polynesian, but, uh, and Polynesian's definitely up there, along with Animal Kingdom Lodge. Just those, like, kind of, like, immersive uh, hotels. But if I didn't have to pay for this, I think I'd go out on a limb one day and probably pay for one of those hotels. When I get something for free, I like to go for the thing that I would never want to pay for, but I know that I would enjoy. Kind of like the, the perfect gift around the holidays, something that you'd never want to buy yourself. Where you're like, man, I'm so glad you bought this for me. I'm going to go with the uh, Disney's, uh, I think it's called the Boardwalk. Ooh, hmm. good choice. Uh, the, yeah, Boardwalk. Uh, because it's a taste of home for me because it's modeled after, you know, my summers down the shore. Um, and I love there's like there's nothing better than than being on the boardwalk down the shore in the summer. You get the breeze, you get the you get the foods, the smells of the food you get. It's like a it's like a yeah, it's just, you know, you go a, a out and you can do it. Yeah, it, yeah. It creates a memory. Um, it pops up those memories. Exactly, it's like a double yeah. memory because you're making memories based off of a memory you had when you were when you were younger. Mm -hmm. Now, I know my wife doesn't agree with this answer because she's like, I would never spend the money uh, down there when we could just go an hour down, you know, down the shore and go there. But to me, if I got this thing for free, I, I just think it would be it's nostalgic in many different ways, and you feel like a kid. And it's just one of those places where you go at it at, at nighttime and just like uh, you get back from the parks and you go and you grab an ice cream or you go and you grab a slice of pizza. And I I'm very curious if uh, if Mike, our Patreon member, has uh, one of the same answers as me because we live at like 20 minutes from each other and we've spent many summers. Which he actually has a house down the shore. So I'm, I'm curious <laughs> if he would like to like 
if he what his answer would be and if he if he shares a similar opinion uh as, as i do and he said um he said the boardwalk is awesome it's it's modeled off the boardwalk especially given me and chris is living about an hour from atlantic city exactly so it's it, it feels like home to me and i, I don't know anytime so, i go on vacation there's like a little taste of home like if there's like a cheesesteak place or something i don't know why but i always shoot for those places even though i can get them at home and i guess it's just that nostalgia for me I don't know. I want to change my answer because um, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about this one because it's not an official oh, resort. I want to stay inside the castle. Oh, the oh good answer. Yeah. Good answer. There, there was a TikTok I watched, and this girl <laughs> somehow she stayed inside the castle, and they ordered her like Donatas or Domino's pizza or something like that, and got it delivered to the castle. And I'm like. <laughs> I would, do, I would do that definitely so. all right you win you win this yeah. question uh, that was that beats all of ours or i'll or i'll sleep in walt's office or something i don't yeah, know hey, but, hey oh, yeah. the castle that's yeah, that's yeah. disneyland yeah man I'm, I'm embarrassed i didn't think of that but yeah, and, I, and i know you talked about the the walkway um so the grand floridian is great because of the monorail you are the next stop to the magic kingdom the walkway is a great um asset as well i actually did the walk it's a very nice walk you're walking by the lake and everything too so um it's it's an awesome resort for the closeness to the magic kingdom and everything like that um but for me personally it's not my go-to but we'll see so before we end this uh this history on on the grand floridian um we just had, did have some answers in the chat i want to read so uh mike doubles down castle his answer um Ryan says the villas at the Poly. That's a great answer. And mm, Adam answer. Adam says Wilderness Lodge. All really, really also good, good answers. Answer. Yeah. You're, you're getting good and value. Hey, nobody said all-star sports, so we're all <laughs> winning today. Quick fire, quick facts. Let's go. Although many people attribute the Grand Floridian concepts to Disney CEO Michael Eisner, Plans were in fact already in the works when he took over the position. While building the resort, the architectural firm Wimberly, Weissnund, Allison, Tong, and Gu was part of the joint team that designed the hotel. They had previously created designs for the Asian-themed resort, as well as hotels in Disneyland Paris, Tokyo Disneyland, and Hong Kong Disneyland. In 1988, the Beach Boys performed their music video for their song Kokomo as the Grand Floridian. The original intention was for there to be a resort around the Magic Kingdom, representing each of its lands, with the Polynesian representing Adventureland, the contemporary echoing Tomorrowland, and Wilderness Lodge evoking Frontierland. The Grand Floridian has clear thematic links to Main Street USA. While staying at the Disneyland Paris Hotel, author Ray Bradbury mentioned to a man that although the Parisian hotel was nice, he was familiar with a much nicer hotel, namely the Grand Floridian. Later, Bradbury learned that the man he was talking to had in fact designed that Disneyland Paris hotel that he was staying at. We here at DizHiz think that the Grand Floridian is a beautiful and luxurious resort on Walt Disney World property, and its proximity to the Magic Kingdom only helps to bolster its reputation as a top-tier hotel option. Although expensive, the beautiful architecture, immersive setting, and spectacular views make it a must-see while traveling to Disney World, even if staying elsewhere. Light up your magic with Disney-scented candles from Three Cheeky Chicks. Their candles capture the essence of your favorite Disney resorts and food, from the fresh smell of the Wilderness Lodge to the delicious smell of Ohana bread pudding. 
Each candle is hand poured with the finest ingredients and crafted to perfection, making them the perfect addition to any Disney's fans collection. Whether you're looking to create a cozy atmosphere in your home or give a unique and magical gift, their candles are sure to bring a touch of Disney magic to your life. So why wait? Light up your world with three Cheeky Chicks Disney candles today. Use promo code DizHiz20. Visit MagicallyScented.com and use promo code DizHiz20. Disney Cruise is no ordinary vacation. It's an adventure, a fairy tale, a dream. Step aboard and discover where favorite Disney characters meet fun for the whole family, where total rest and relaxation meet the ultimate escape and excitement, where a dream vacation meets a magical cruise. Only on Disney Cruise Line, where magic meets the sea. To book your magical Disney Cruise Line vacation, go to sandpipervacations.com today. Hey guys, want to hear something cool? Do you want to be part of the Goof Troop? Our Goof Troop is the best, and a way to help support the show. You get access to our wonderful giveaways, Discord chat, and you can join for only $2 a month. In our Discord chat, you can interact with the hosts and some of our great members. There are Disney-themed games in our chat, streams from the park, we have a special Spotify playlist. Overall, we just have a lot of fun. You also get access to our live shows, which can sometimes be a little crazy. Once again, help support the show for as low as $2 a month and join the Goof Troop. Just go to DizHiz.com and on top, there's a link. Check us out streaming on award-winning Disney streaming site, Sorcerer Radio, on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, or catch us again at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sorcerer Radio is an amazing 24-7 Disney radio. Just visit srsounds.com or download the Sorcerer Radio app. Hey guys, this is Walt Disney. Welcome to my world. I'm your guest Hidden Mickey expert of the week. You can find your first Hidden Mickey from the Weather Vane on top of the Grand Floridian. The second Hidden Mickey is on the Lobby Carts. If you look at the back of the Lobby Carts, you'll notice a little something on the trim. Look on the entrance tiling as you enter into the Lobby for your third Hidden Mickey. This one won't just be three circles, but an entire body of Mickey. The fourth hidden Mickey can be seen in the lobby carpet. Take a close look at some of the golden designs on the red background. The fifth hidden Mickey can be seen in the lobby tiling. Look for some of the circles in the corner of the tiles near 1900 Park Fair, the Grand Floridian Cafe. The sixth hidden Mickey is a tough one to see. Take a look at some of the spokes on the elevator between the floors and Notice some of the spokes form two circles that go up against a larger circle on the outside of the spokes. The final hidden Mickey can be seen on the sign of M. Mouse Mercantile. Of course, there is an image of Mickey in the logo itself, but take a look to the left or the right of the logo, whichever is closer to facing the lobby, and you might see another hidden Mickey there. Thank you for listening. As a reminder, this was Walt Disney, and remember that it was all started by a mouse. That was so exciting. Walt Disney I himself. I cannot believe in. that. That was actually it's remarkable. Crazy. Not only did we bring back the Hidden Mickey segment, but we brought back a uh, someone from the dead. That was that was pretty impressive. The the, the magic just we keep the magic alive here. <laughs>
All right, this week in Disney, Chris, what did you do? Other than watching the the uh, you know the the nightly YouTube video with my wife, which would uh, consist of a an eating around the world at Food and Wine of paging Mr. Morrow, not too too much. <laughs> I am behind on Ahsoka. Uh, which I am embarrassed to say because uh, I feel like I'm not because I've, I've seen all the spoilers on Twitter. Um, so I really did not have a lot of time this week to do that much in Disney. But, uh, you know, just my nightly just my nightly dinner sit down YouTube uh, Disney vlogger videos this week. How about you, RJ? Um, not a ton for me either. I haven't been watching Ahsoka. I'm pretty behind on the Star Wars universe. I'm still excited for Loki. Mm, and yes. Only Murders in the Building is on Hulu. Uh, it's made by Fox, so I think it's technically Disney. Yeah, I'm behind on really that, too. That. I'm, I'm slacking, oh, yeah. RJ. I'm behind. Great show. Highly, highly recommend. And then I watched the new YouTube video from my buddy Dane, who runs Big Beautiful Diz. Oh, the McDonald's uh, one? Other than that. Oh, the McDonald's one. That was a lot of I fun. did not watch it. I'm so behind on everything. I And McDonald's is my, uh, is my lover. It's, it's like my... Uh, if I could, if McDonald's was a physical person, I would leave my wife for them. <laughs> All right, I feel uncomfortable, so All let's shift right. things over to Nick, who's got a much more interesting this week in Disney. <laughs> so um, I, I briefly mentioned it, but my husband and I just got back from what we called the Coast to Ghost Tour. So we went um, two weeks ago to Disneyland in California and went there for three days and then flew east to florida and went to um, disney world for three days um, so what we wanted to do was experience both of the halloween after parties that um, the parks are um, getting so known for it's so amazing we've, we've been to mickey's not so scary halloween party um, last year um, and decided we want to go back this year and kind of do this fun little tour with it so um, if you're not familiar with the after parties um, so there's Oogie Boogie Bash on the West Coast, which um, is a completely different experience than what you would have here on um, Walt Disney World on the East Coast. Um, Disneyland kind of does it more of a villain type theme party where Disney World is Mickey's not so scary. So it's kind of more family friendly um, aspect, which it's still family friendly at Disneyland, um, but you do get to see villains come to life that you've never seen before so they had sid from toy story um they had agatha from um uh, sean's gonna kill me already oh wandavision um, wandavision from, Wanda, from wandavision first of all nick i want to cut you off sid that's an amazing yeah you never so cool. see him anywhere no anything like it's the first time you see him out there um so it's, really really awesome to see those characters in person and it's a fun like little walkthrough um my favorite one that they do in california is actually um ernesto de la cruz oh i've seen that so how was it in person amazing so he's really awesome up on stage the makeup that they do on him is incredible they have him singing um every now and then as well too his his one hit song basically <laughs> um, that he just sings over and over but um really really awesome experience unfortunately that event sells out within a matter of five hours um so as a travel agent that was my job of sitting online in a waiting room for five hours to buy tickets for this event are you trying to um, say that if i wanted to go there i wouldn't have to even raise a finger i just tell you to book it for me I mean, you have to raise your credit card to me. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll book, I'll book it for you. So. Interesting. 
Yeah, so um, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, it's um, it does run a little bit longer than Oogie Boogie Bash. It's a few more nights a week. Oh. Um, Mickey's Not So Scary started, what, mid-August? <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. So <laughs> Halloween does start early on the East Coast. Um, so there's the subtle differences um, that we loved in each park. Um, I feel like Disneyland definitely does it better because they do have Halloween decorations and stuff throughout both of their parks. Um, Disney World just does the Magic Kingdom, essentially, for their Halloween decorations. Um, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party is so much fun. You get the fireworks, you get an awesome parade, Halloween um, trick-or-treat stations, plus the ride weights are very minimal because these events are a special ticket. They do, they do limit how many people are in the parks. So it's... Um, to me, the best time to go to the parks because you can walk on everything if you want to ride all the rides very quickly. So. And Nick, remind us, if folks want to visit one of these parties, especially with the Christmas one coming yeah. up, or if they just want to visit the parks in general, how can they get in contact with Sandpiper? Yeah, actually, there's two Christmas parties this year coming up on the East Coast. So there's the new oh, Jollywood right. um, the new Jollywood Nights at Hollywood Studios, as well as Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Um, I'm headed out there for the very first party, so um, hopefully I'll run into some of those vloggers, Paige and Mr. Morrow, hopefully yeah. I'll run into him, and I'll give you a shout-out, Chris. Please so. do, please do. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to book any Disney trip, please contact us at sandpipervacations.com. It doesn't cost anything to use our services. We get paid directly by Disney. Um, and by our services, I do a lot for my clients. I book your dining reservations. I'll do your virtual queue at 7 a.m. so you can sleep in. Um, I will make sure that you have the best room in the hotel. I'll send room requests ahead of time if there's a certain building you want to be in. Um, and I'll book you up the Grand Floridian, too. Why not stay there? Or or if you're disabled, like I have been temporarily, uh, <laughs> Nick will hook you up with, uh, with uh, you know, shower a chairs. Or a shower chair. Whatever. Yeah, I, 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 we actually do. Um, we have companies that we work with that all get stroller rentals for my clients or wheelchairs, scooters. Um, so, so the parks too. So I handle all of that planning. So all you have to do is show up and have a good time. I don't know if you know how stressful it is, Nick. Well, obviously you've never had been, been, uh, disabled temporarily. <laughs> uh, it's very stressful trying to plan a vacation like that. And Nick, Nick, honestly, like Nick has taken all the stress out of me when, when he booked my vacation, he got everything set up for me and I was just able to go and enjoy myself. And as you guys all know, Disney is very, it's very complex process in itself and it continues oh, yeah. to be more complicated. Um, I sit on my, sit on the phone with my clients for at least an hour before their trip to go over any questions they have. We have a tip sheet that I share of our favorite things we like to do when we go to Disney, like um, Starbucks, obviously, get a Dole Whip, those types of things. Different ways to help save you time um, and money as well, too. So I'm all about saving my clients money. Um, like I said, there's a promotion that just came out um, yesterday for 25% off early planning for 2024. So if you're already booked that 2024 vacation, go to sandpipervacations.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nick. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. Are you fans of Pixar movies, Nick, Chris? Uh, yeah, obviously. Well, next week on Diz His, we're going to be doing a history of someone that I guarantee you've heard if you're a fan of Pixar movies. That's right. Next week on Diz His is the history of John Ratzenberger. You're not sure who he is by name. You definitely know the mailman from Cheers. And if you don't know that, because that's technically not Disney, 
then you have absolutely heard his voice in the 22 Pixar movies that he's voiced characters in. I'm really excited to hear that because I, I hear the name all the time. I'm very excited to hear his his. See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're interested in seeing more of the show, you can. For as little as $2 a month, you can join our Patreon. You can write for our blog if you're a Patreon member. You're entitled to the future giveaways and events. It, it's just for $2 a month. Less than a cup of coffee. You can be a part of the Goof Troop. Be a part of the show. That's uh, located in our link tree in all of our bios or in all of our descriptions of the episodes. You just go there, head over to our link tree, and you'll be able to see how to do that. Very easy. Uh, don't don't be too afraid if you're like, oh, I don't know technology. No, it's very easy, and we'll walk you through it. You can reach out to us at dizhispot.gmail.com if you don't know what you're doing. We will walk you through it. We'd love to have you. And please don't forget to follow us on social media. RJ has been working very hard on uh, on posting more and being more consistent, and, and he's been coming up with these great, great posts. Now, speaking of RJ, RJ, congratulations on your first ever hosted episode of the show. Oh, thank you. Uh, you did an amazing job. Thank you. I, I was honored when you asked me to host, Chris, so thank you so much. Yeah. You did an amazing job. Thank you so much. You know, we, we asked you to host two seconds before you hosted because yeah, Alex's technical difficulties. You did an amazing job. And uh, speaking on behalf of me and all the listeners, we can't wait to hear more from you. So uh, if you liked today's episode, you can expect way more from RJ. He's going to be here on a, uh, you know, regular basis. We'll be hearing from him monthly, biweekly, whatever it is. He, he will be hearing a lot more from RJ. And if you if you want to reach out to him, please just follow us on Instagram and you can comment on all the posts. He runs all that. So you can uh, thank him by interacting on our posts on Instagram. But again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for filling in tonight. You did an amazing job. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you, Chris. That's the His on the Grand Floridian. I'm RJ. I'm Chris. And I'm Nick from Sandpiper Vacations. Thanks for listening and have a magical week.